Peace. Yo. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Episode 23. It's your boy, Mine Quay. It's Stefan. And peace and greetings to the sign of the rising sun. It's episode 23 of the Divine Council Podcast. Welcome, everybody. Let's get it started. All right. Well, um, let's pick off. We can pick up where we left off. Uh, we we uh, had put up the last episode before the holidays had kicked in. So how was your holidays? Well, how was your, let me just say, how was your Christmas, rather? Yeah, I, um, I actually, I worked Christmas Eve, uh, the night of Christmas Eve, so into Christmas Day. Um, and really, I just, I got to go home, spend home, spend um, a few days back at the crib with some family. And, you know, get to, I got to see them, you know. I'm not really, most most of us aren't really celebrating Christmas, but it's always kind of been like this for the last few years. But, you know, it's got to at least be around family and, you know, catch up with them. So, yeah, that that's usually, that's, that's what, that's how it went for me. How'd it go for you? Uh, I had went home last Sunday and um, I stayed until this past uh, Thursday. And it was it was cool, man. You know, um, I made sure I got everybody something, you know, for Christmas of my of my immediate family, and you know, made sure to to hit up my my brother, who's uh who lives in uh, Florida, and um, it was cool. You know, we had we had some uh, family come over on Christmas Day. You know, we we had like a lunch or whatnot. You know. It's pretty good, you know, catching up on things and seeing people that I haven't seen in some years. And um, it was just chill, you know. Uh, they were surprised when I went and stayed for that long because I usually, when I go home, I usually stay for like a day or two. But I just decided, I was like, man, I ain't got nothing going on right now. I could stay for a little longer, you know, because I know as I get older, it's less time that I spend home. You know, when I was uh, first at uh, ECU as a freshman, I probably was home every other weekend. And now I'm probably home once a month, if that. So, you know, it's, it's uh, I know it was good for them to see me. And I was, I had joked with my, my younger sister. I was saying before I left, I was like, well, I'll see you in five months. And because I, like, you know, she'd be like, you know, you, you're not good at communicating. You don't be hitting us up and stuff like that. And I say the same thing. I just like, I, I'm doing my own thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a man. You know, you can hit me up whenever you can FaceTime me and stuff. Um, and she's like, yeah, that's the only time I can talk to you is the FaceTime because you really be slow at texting. Cause I mean, I don't like texting. Yeah. You know, um, I'd rather talk to somebody face to face. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll try, I'm, I'm trying to get better at like communicating and stuff, but you know, that's just how, that's just how I am. I'm so focused on what I have going on right now, you know, trying to establish myself. Um, I, it's, it's just finding, it's just, now it's just trying to find a balance of time to get back, you know, to family. 
I agree. I mean, every time, every time you go home, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be real. Like, it makes you want to stay, but you also know at the same time, I'm on my own path now. So every time I go home, it's just like, it's a tugging on both ends. I like, I know I gotta be out here, you know, doing my thing, taking advantage of, you know, taking advantage of just trying to better myself as a man but at the same time you know home is home it always be home man yeah it feels good get you know going back i look at it like that's a chance for me to recharge you know like yeah so yeah that's that's good so, enjoyed it yeah it's a lot simpler you know compared to living um i guess in the city well technically i'm right like outside of the city but i still have everything close by like you've seen you've seen where i'm at i literally got everything around me um as opposed to being out there where i try to order something from grubhub and and they cancel the order because they don't even go out there for i know (laughs) you know so um it's cool like they they even asked me they're like would you ever consider uh coming back home and stuff i said i did at one point but now nah Cause I've been out on I've been out on my own too long now to want to do that. Yeah, that's how it goes. You know, it's like you start you you get your own own stuff and you kind of get used. You get into your own groove and it's I don't know. I was thinking last night. I was like, damn, how would it be to like how would it be to live with roommates again? Like I don't even know. Like did it take me a minute to adjust with doing that? And like we just did that for like the last like four years before you know we got we started working and stuff yeah i was thinking about that i was like dang i've been i I feel like i've been like by myself for like the last what three years or so yeah and i've gotten i finally got it's taken a minute to adjust but i finally got adjusted to it and you know it just it's just like a way for you to i look at it as a way for me to easily get set on my path but you know it's different stages in life so you gotta take advantage of every single one of them that's true. That's true. Um. So what? Uh, what was the first topic that you had in mind to discuss? I know the first thing. Um, you know, we can kind of take it out, take it a little different approach for this podcast. And uh, I think we were talking about uh, the Patriots getting caught cheating with the filming. Yeah, you know, it hasn't really been much going on. Besides, you know, compared to the last few uh, weeks, but that was one thing we was talking about, and how you know it's basically it's a it's a, a part of a long list, a long list of allegations that you know this franchise has a uh, has on their record, right? And if, if people don't understand um, about the the last scandal, it was basically a um, the Patriots are shooting a documentary. For their for their football uh for their football team and it's it was a different division than the actual football division it was uh kind of to break it down briefly it was the uh the New England Patriots television division so you have a television division and you have actual football division and like the television division does like like all the media stuff the promotion like all the, the glitz and glamour basically behind the actual organization and it's supposedly supposed to be a whole different division than like the football operations division 
and football operations is like basically, you know, the, the strategy behind it, like the actual what we see on TV. And supposedly the Patriots were supposed to be the television division was filming a documentary and they were filming a documentary like in a press box of the Cincinnati. I think it was in a press box at the Cincinnati Bengals Stadium. Um I don't even think they were playing each other. The Bengals are playing somebody else, but long story short, a part of the of the filming process, the guy that was recording had the camera face at the Bengals sideline for like eight minutes of, of film. It was just like sitting up, it was literally just face at the sideline instead of the guy that they were um trying to do the documentary, you know, piece for. It was just the camera was just face to the sideline and the Bengals uh security, you know, another they peeped they peeped the the fact that it was going on. And you know, just a video of them confronting uh, confronting a guy about it. And initially he was like, you know, I can delete this film right now and we'll have no problems, you know, and that kind of looked sketchy. Um, because he was just wanting to delete it right away and stuff. But yeah, they got caught. And you know, it was just it just adds to the the soap opera of uh, of the NFL, yeah, and of the New England Patriots. I mean, they've had so many allegations. They had Spygate, the Flate Gate, the Playbook going missing. Yeah, Playbook Gate, <laughs> Playbook Gate. Now they got Documentary Gate. You know, it's it's conspiracies out here that says. Uh, Oh, let, let's not forget about uh, Mr. Robert Kraft. You know, he, yep. he he got caught up with the Asian the Asian uh, masseuses. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, uh, it's it's also known that you know he might be the mob, like he might be the modern day mob, like legit, and he has the most power, like of any sports figure, like in sport. Uh huh. They say he might be the actual mob, and he controls you know the books in Vegas and stuff like that. Like that deep, so <laughs> you know he's up in Boston too, which is notoriously you know a gambling city when it comes to sports, and one of the most racist cities also. That's true. So you know, it's just it's a lot to it, you know. Uh, but I remember I was saying uh, when we were talking on the phone, you know, in this case, you know, just to kind of you know go off of a, on a little tangent. By this point, we should all know that. It is some level of acting or like scripture that's that's based on these sports, like it's some type of scripting on some level. And I can't give you a percentage on what is what, like how much how real it is compared to you know the level of of like script writing. But I think at this point, with all this money connected with the sports, especially with the NFL, it's a big level of of, of I guess acting. And I don't know. I think this adds to the enigma of the Patriots. Like, you know, they just had the most, they got one of the most historic franchises in the NFL. And I think it shows that, you know, they've bent the rules all the way to, to the to the point of basically questioning if, if they're a clean franchise, but I also still believe. You know, Goodell has has he he likes it. He it adds to the rating. Yeah, but I'm like, <laughs> man, everybody sees how crooked Goodell is. Like, we can look at, we can take it back to um with the Ray Rice situation when 
he had the video footage months before it actually came out, but he, I think he, he lied and said he didn't have it or he hadn't seen it. You know, he, he was it trying was to cover so it weird. up. Like this dude has been crooked for years and he's still the commissioner. Like, I don't understand how. Like, like it's questionable. It's all kinds of it's questionable like activity. Period. The whole Kaepernick uh, debacle, like it, it makes no sense to me. You know, he get he he goes and grabs Jay Z to to come and assist with like the Super Bowl um, halftime show. Now, you know, it's like he's doing all these different things. Like it's, it's weird to me. He had that. You like you said, he had that. He had a close relationship with uh, Kraft. So he let him get away with a lot of stuff. And it's like, I feel like every time they get punished, it's 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 only punishment out of maintaining the script. Like, it's like it's punishment to where it's never really too harsh, but it's not it's not like he's letting it, Scott, he's, he's not letting them off Scott free. Yeah, like. He's trying to make it seem like that they're, like, that they're not in cahoots at some level, but I think it's all bullshit. Right, like. They didn't even miss Brady for those four games last year. It didn't do anything. And then let's look at the fact that their schedule for the last, literally the last two decades, they've had the easiest division. Yeah. And not only have they had the easiest division, they've had the easiest schedule in general. Like, how does that happen? They have the easiest schedule year in and year out. And for some reason, it almost guarantees that they can go like eight and four. Or ten and one before you know the season really get, takes takes a turn before playoff ball gets around. I think it's so weird, you know. Hey, I but hey, know. Tom, it's it's uh it's changing though because the Buffalo Bills is coming. Josh Allen, yeah. Josh Allen is the real deal. All right. but I think it's perfect time because I I don't think Tom Brady has five years left. I hope he retires within like the next year. To be honest, like, uh. Yeah, I don't think he has too much time left, and I think I find it very, very ironic now. <laughs> yeah, the Bills have been shitty since they went to what four straight Super Bowls, and I don't even know how they still have a fan base after that. Dude, that's devastating. How the hell do you go to four? And those Super Bowls, the first one was the closest one when the um the kicker missed the kicker missed um uh, I think it was wide left or wide right, but he he missed. But it was like a straight field goal. It wasn't too long. Yeah. And I don't think that kicker had missed like the whole year. And I, if he did miss, it was like only a few times. I don't think he had missed that whole year, at least from that distance. Yeah. And they missed they missed the damn field goal right Shit. there. And the, up the next three, they were blowouts. I still can't. I still remember how um, taking it back to uh, what was it, two thousand three. Panthers lost against the Patriots in the Super Bowl over that kick by Adam Vinatieri. That shit was crazy, man. Like that fucking Patriots. I just I, I feel like probably like one of those Super Bowls that they won. Right, like Atlanta though. That won. that one against Atlanta was the craziest one, and that's the last one I've watched. Like I don't, I haven't watched any uh, NFL games this season or last season. I might have like caught, you know, a clip of one at like. Um, while going to the gym, because I've been playing fantasy still, but just sitting there watching that entire Super Bowl, and they can't. Right. I was like, bro, like they getting dominated. Like I remember when Brady fell. I think he fell, and they they picked up the interception, and I think it was a they no they picked up the fumble, and it was a touchdown. And they were down like twenty eight 
uh, they were down by like 28 points. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a wrap. Everybody was making fun of um, Brady. They was like, yeah, he washed. You know, he's going to be crying in Giselle arms again tonight or whatever. But he came back, and I've never seen nothing like that before. He was, like, perfect. Like, in the second half, that, he was, that was, like, the greatest Super Bowl I've ever seen. Though. I, was, I ain't going to lie. Like, that, the way he came back was just crazy. That shit would just seem very, like, what's the word I'm looking for? It seemed sketchy to me because it was, like, this dude went from literally, they were being straight dominant. If you watch that game, like, they couldn't move the fucking ball. Like, they were trying their hardest, and the Falcons, was they were moving it at will. But I think that game kind of opened my eyes to the fact that this shit might be scripted a little bit. Because you remember that was a game where they lost, the, the Falcons lost their playbook. And it was like, at some point, something clicked on, and Tom Brady, it's, it's like if you watch that game, they knew exactly what was going yeah. on. It seemed like they knew every play that that defense was running. Yep. Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan he, he, he lost that playbook for like an hour. How do you lose a playbook for like an entire hour, bro? Like, and during media day. Like, bro, it made no sense. Like, how that, there's no chance that was a coincidence, bro. Like, how, how, do you, how does that happen, bro? And then they can't move the ball. Like, Matt Ryan couldn't even... He didn't even look in Julio Jones' direction, bro. That shit was it was like, and that offense was one of the most like electrifying offenses I think the NFL seen in like a while, bro. They had so much firepower on that offense. Like up until that point, they were historic. Yeah. They were historic. And it was like they were they couldn't they couldn't be stopped. And out of out of nowhere, it was like a flip switched on and this motherfucker doesn't have an incompletion. Doesn't miss anything. Matt Ryan can't hit the water out of the out of a boat, and it's like boom. This year had the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history at like thirty five, yeah, thirty six or whatever he was, however old he was. And then last year's Super Bowl, it just seems like that was one of the worst ones I've seen. But it was just kind of like it was like a gimme. That shit wasn't even close, like. The Rams could not move the ball the whole game. And when they needed, they needed to play, it was like they just threw – golf just threw it away. Yeah. So, I just I just didn't get it. So, you know, Brady about to hang up the what? cleats. Breeze about to hang up the cleats. So, they got to figure out how to replace Well, them. New England, it's the first time since 2009 they're not going to have a playoff bye week. Since they, they just lost to the uh, Dolphins 27-24. Damn. Yeah. So right now, this is what it's looking like, the playoff picture as of now. Um, AFC, first round buys, um, Ravens, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, wild card games, third third seed and sixth seed, uh, Patriots versus uh, Titans, and then uh, fourth seed and fifth seed, Texans versus Bills. And on the NFC side, the buys are right now Green Bay, New Orleans, and then the wild card games, Vikings versus 49ers and Seahawks versus the Eagles. Mm. So, but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. If the Seahawks win against 49ers, they'll move up to a third seed. If they lose, they're going to be the five seed. 
Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Y'all, tough, dude, yeah, y'all have already played, like, the, the 49ers earlier this week, too. Like, this is a huge game. I mean, earlier this season. Um, I know it's a huge game. So. It's going to be a lot of people watching. Yeah. Because it's going to determine, that determines a lot, you know, and they got Beast Mode back. And, you know, I, as a Seahawks fan, I personally, it was somebody that was out in, oh, Jay Ajayi. Uh-huh. I think Jay, Jay Ajayi is a free agent, and people were saying, like, why didn't we just pick him up? And I would have, that actually makes sense to me. It's like, why didn't we just pick, unless Marshawn Lynch comes out and he plays, he gives us that, that, that missing spark. Or that that spark that we needed, and people can't forget we got Robert Turbin too. He was on our, he used to he was on our Super Bowl teams as uh, his backup. So we got both of the old pieces back. But but like I mean, if unless they come back and give us the energy that we need, I think the Jay Ajayi pickup would have been a lot better. Like that would have actually been pretty incredible, I think, for for this point in the season. And people were like, you know, this like a desperation pickup. I, as a fan, I kind of felt like it was a desperation pickup too, because we're like kind of crumbling at the worst time. Yeah. But it's a part of football, you know, injuries and, you know, controversies are part of football. So, so do you think, I know we were talking about uh, yesterday, do you think it's a possibility that they're bringing in Marshawn to, to rectify that Super Bowl loss, that could be a possibility. You know, that's it. once you start thinking and stuff, it's like, wow, like maybe this time they were, you know, maybe back then that kind of set the stage for him, for Russell Wilson replacing Tom Brady or Drew Brees. And, you know, a part of the main timeline was nah, Brady has to get his six rings. Yeah. And, you know, in my opinion, those Seahawks teams were some of the best teams that we've ever seen in, in NFL history. But you know, it wasn't. They didn't want the NFL doesn't want that image. Didn't want that image. That young team, young, outspoken, mostly black. It's a black quarterback, and you know he just beat Peyton. They just dominated Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl after one of the, the best offensive seasons ever. Basically, um, we beat Tom, we had beaten Tom Brady. Like I think the previous three or four times we played him, uh-huh. the, the couple years that I think we beat him that year, and the year before, we beat him or whatever early in the season, and it, it was just like you know, in exchange for the possible four or five rings or at least three three rings we'll give you, you have to. Sacrifice his game. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, but we'll we'll give you a um a Skittles endorsement. We'll give you a Skittles endorsement, and we'll we'll give you an easy ring and let you ride out in the sunset. Yeah, let you do you know some um you know random activities like you know going hanging out with Bear Grylls and you know just doing extra stuff. You know out out you know you'll still be relevant in terms of in the culture, but you know. In terms of your football days of your highlights, that's going to take a back seat now. You know, it's interesting, man, but I, I wanted to ask you about this because people have been debating it. The NFL all-time 100 team, 
all-time 100 players team has been announced. I'm on the website looking at it right now. It's on NFL.com. They didn't include Drew Brees. Yeah, it's like... You want me to name the quarterbacks? I, I think i seen they had Sammy Ball. Sammy Ball, Tom Brady, John Elway, Brett Favre, Otto Graham, Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, Joe Montana, Roger Staubach, and uh, Joe, Johnny Unitas. I'm going to be real. I would take Marino out and put Breeze in. Where's Warren Moon? No, they, not there. I know I know Whoa. nothing about... Sam, who the fuck is Sammy Ball? I know this dude, 1937 and 1952. Come on, man. I know he might, he was one of the earliest quarterbacks. He probably was good at that time, but compared to the quarterbacks now, bro, come on, bro. Sammy Ball, this other dude, Otto Graham, 1946 to 1955, he only played nine years. Bro, like it doesn't make any sense. And it's, it's a big narrative. Like where the fuck is where the fuck is Michael Vick? Oh, you knew they weren't gonna put him out there. Of, of course, <laughs> at, at the very least, where's where's uh like seriously, where's Warren Moon, the only player to win um to win MVP, I believe, in two in the CFL and the NFL, Canadian Football League and uh, NFL. Yeah, and on top of that, Warren Moon, man, look up look up his stats. He was throwing, he was doing shit that to, to today's quarterbacks. He was the early, he was the early spread pro style quarterback. He was like Drew Brees before Drew Brees, Marino before Marino. I mean, he was throwing up godly numbers in any league he played in. Yeah, and he's he's better than at least shit. I would have him over Sammy Baugh easily. I would have I would have him over Brett Favre. I like Brett Favre, but I mean, people got to remember he had the most interceptions also in his career. Come on, man! Like Brett. Okay, we could take Dan Marino out. I think that. I mean, Dan Marino has huge numbers, bro. But come on, man! Like Drew Brees has huge numbers, and he actually won. Come on, bro! Like I think, and he had a career-ending injury at one point. I, I mean, Dan Marino played sixteen years, though. I'm not even gonna. I can't, you know. Talk bad about his longevity. He, I mean, 16 years, you know. But I don't know, man. Like, I, I would take him out. I don't know who the fuck that Sammy Ball dude is. I'll take him out automatically. Brett Favre is, eh. I know he won. I know, I mean, yeah, he won Super Bowl. He he was a gunslinger, you know, put up a lot of yards or whatever. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know about, and that Otto Graham dude, have you ever heard of him? Yeah, I heard of Otto Graham. I think Otto Graham, I think his significance um, was that he played, like, kicker, punter, quarterback. Um, and he was a part of a whole bunch of championship teams at that time. Seven-time All-Pro, but, five-time Pro Bowl. Oh, yeah, three, three-time three NFL champion, four-time AAFC champion. Yeah, I think that that was like they – he was still playing for the Browns when they were, like – they, they they were converting into the NF or NFL or something like that before they had the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean I can see them having some of the older quarterbacks on there, but like I don't want to say it should be an asterisk, but it should be some type of like I mean, cause come on, bro, he only played what nine seasons? Nine seasons, <laughs> only fucking nine seasons, bro. We 
Dude, imagine if you throw... Dude, oh my God. People have been making jokes about, you know, some of the older players compared to now. Imagine if you threw it through like a Michael Vick in at his era. How dominant his stats will be compared to this dude. Like, it'll be no competition, bro. Like, no... Or a Warren Moon or a Lamar Jackson or uh, Aaron Rodgers. Like, bro, like, uh, the quarterbacks now are so much more athletic, bro. Like, I, I mean, it's not even fair, you know? Um, but I understand. They got to keep that narrative, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I was going to say, though, let, um, since we're on this, you know, the, you know who the modern-day Brett Favre is, right? James, James motherfucking crab legs, eating, <laughs> stealing, Winston. 30 touchdowns, 30 <laughs> interceptions, 5,000 passing yards. Crazy. That is the craziest <laughs> shit I've seen. And each photo I looked, I was rolling because they put photos of him. He looks dumbfounded, like in the pictures online, um, on Twitter and stuff. And it was like, yeah, 30 for 30. And he, they got a picture of him. He looks lost <laughs> in the pictures I've seen. Bro, that dude, they like, he's the worst and best quarterback at the same time. Like, I think, I think he can. I said it when he came out. He'll be, he, he'll be, he could be like a, uh, a baby Peyton Manning just because of his, because he does have intelligence uh, with the game. If you watch him play, he's got a, when he, when he makes play, because it's weird, he makes fucking plays and he makes, he makes great plays and he might turn around and make a he bad He ended play. the season with a pick six. Crazy. <laughs> Only him. <laughs> Only him. He had to, bro. He was chasing history. He had to get that extra interception. <laughs> it, that shit. I mean, it, it's if you watch him play, like I said, he makes. He, he made a crazy touchdown. Crazy. I don't know if you've seen it today. He he threw it off like his back today. foot into the end zone, and he like, dude, you got to look it up. Like that, that shit was crazy. How he threw that and the um. The wide receiver, you know, did the toe tap and caught it. And then we already can see on that offense, they got two of the best. They got two top ten receivers on that offense. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Chris Godwin and uh, Mike Evans. Like, those motherfuckers are some horses. But it's like, if they can figure out a way to clean up those interceptions, to make them more consistent, he will be. I mean, the sky's the limit, right? Because the plays he makes, he makes. If he didn't make his, if he didn't make, if he only made half the picks, if he only threw for fifteen picks, it, this season I have a different tune, right? This season alone I have a different tune. But you know, you threw thirty picks. That's a lot of picks. <laughs> That's a lot of picks, bro. Like. But I think I think he'll be all right. I think he I think he'll clean that up. I do. Yeah. I think it's just a it's a matter of time before he cleans that up. Cause he got he has better he has better pieces. Uh when it comes to his receiving core. If they locked him in, I think they got Ronald Jones as a running back, keep him locked in and just keep on trying to develop him develop him as a quarterback, they'll be all right. That's true. But um, yeah, this list, this um, this this what I think, 
that was the only one I, you know people were upset about was like I guess the the quarterbacks and whatnot. I'm looking at the running backs. Let me name these off to you and see what you think. I think there's only a few that I don't know about. Maybe like okay, maybe like five of them I don't know out of ten. Jim Brown, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, Earl Campbell, Earl Dutch, Clark, Gail Sayers, O.J. Simpson, Eric Dickerson, Lenny Moore, Emmett Smith, Steve Van Buren, and Marion Motley. They needed somebody from a closer area. Yeah, this I'm about to say, who the fuck is Earl Dutch Clark? 1931 I, to 1938? He, Dude, I'm looking at his key accomplishments, key stats. Okay, actually, nah, this is actually crazy. Let me... 2000, I don't know if this was in a season. If this was in a season, yeah, he deserves to be a... Rush yards, 2,772 yards. Receiving yards, 341. Rush touchdowns, 36. Nah, I think that was... That's got to be multiple seasons. I don't... That's got to be multiple seasons. But still, though, come on, bro. 1931 to 1938, seven seasons. That's weak as fuck, bro. Like, are you serious? If you see this dude's picture, you you might start laughing. Like, he look like he get ran over today easily. He don't look like like his name is Earl Clark. He don't look like he can run through anybody at all. See, this is what they wanted to prevent. <laughs> bro, he looks... <laughs> bro, I'm just rolling at this picture. <laughs> the, the, the uniforms they had back then, you know, he was getting a concussion every game. <laughs> well, he would get a concussion. He would get knocked out, like, <laughs> in today's era, bro. Like, I feel like in the first play, or first couple play times, he he gets the ball. If he was wearing that pattern, like, bro. This nigga, like, he played before they invented the Ford. Pass. For real, though. What the hell? Oh, man. I mean, I know they want to, like, keep the integrity of the game, but there's levels to this shit now. Right. They should replace him with LaDainian Tomlinson. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people would argue for that. Like, they should have had a LaDainian Tomlinson. They could have had him. Jerome Bettis, Curtis Martin, Sean Alexander. They need, they needed somebody from the two thousands. Yeah, I, I think it's safe to say we could put, we could have put somebody from the two thousands on that list. Like, right? They they have. Yeah, you're argued. right. The only person from the two thousands is the early two thousands, and that's Emmitt Smith. Yep, and he didn't really like want in the in the in the two thousands. He wasn't really even like, dominating. He didn't yeah. Do he had his weakest yards per carry seasons after he left the Cowboys, which, I mean, it was in his later part of his career. So, But it's kind of like, who the fuck is Earl Dutch Clark? Who the, who the fuck is this nigga? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is they have Marion Motley on there? Yeah. Yeah. That was another one where I – that was another one I was where I was kind of like, uh – I mean, his stats are, you know, 4,700 4, – Rushing yards, 1,100 receiving yards, and 31 rushing touchdowns. He's only a two-time All-Pro, one Pro Bowl. I mean, it's, I mean, he's not I, – I, this is impressive, though. This is an NFL record. 
5.7 yards per carry his career. That now that mm-hmm. is insane. His other stats, eh, I'm not, I mean, I'm not like blown away, but that is crazy. And you look at that little film they showing him. Yeah, he he was getting like at least five yards a carry. Yeah. Like <laughs> he had he broke the, some color barriers back then. Oh like, yeah, they they was taking like four people per play to to tackle him. Yeah. Yeah, that one though. I they were making that list, and I was just kind of I was like, hold up, where are they getting some of this? Like, I know we got to keep the integrity of the game, but we could have had an honorable mentions list for a lot of those players. Yeah, that is true. They could have had like an honorable honorable mentions. Like honorable mentions is where you put those players at. Like I understand over time the game has gotten softer, or it's that the rules have changed. Because I do believe back then at that point. A thousand yards rushing in a, in a season, even in a fourteen game, fourteen um, schedule uh, season, a thousand yards. Yeah, that shit was incredible. Like I think that we forget about that sometimes. Like yeah, we we got players now rushing for two thousand yards, two thousand all purpose yards. You know, twenty twenty plus touchdowns in a season. Yeah, yeah that's that's gonna that that shit's incredible. Of course. But it is different now. Like back then, these niggas didn't have face masks, and people were dying. True. <laughs> people were people were dying on the field. Like I don't give a fuck how big you are. Like if you ain't if you ain't got nothing but a a half if you ain't got nothing but a but a, a two inch uh, two inches of of leather covering your fucking skull, bro. If you get hit the right way, you might break your damn neck. <laughs> You're right. So you best believe if a nigga break off for 25 yards in a game, that shit was probably insane back then. Because <laughs> the nigga in front of him probably just got paralyzed from, from the neck down. <laughs> Running a damn yard. Of, of he, the, of he, laying field. down, you know, he's on the field, paralyzed, thinking I should have just stayed being a plumber. Fuck this football shit. <laughs> the train All right, they, they, you know, they probably weren't even getting paid good like that either, like. The start is, I, I think they they wasn't really getting paid in the NFL until like the eighties. Wow, all that time until like the eighties. I think they still. I watched a documentary where they still had they had to take the trains to the game at one point, and they still had like day jobs. Wow, they they still had day jobs. This is why they had to like around the seventies and the eighties, in NBA and the uh, NFL. They had to put more rules within the game because they seen how where they wanted to take the game. These niggas were still smoking cigarettes on the sideline, <laughs> <laughs> drinking out of coke, drinking Coca Colas in the seventies. Terrible, bro. Like, Terrible diets. Niggas never they ain't never lift no damn weight. <laughs> These were like natural. Those were the natural gods at that damn and then you time. See, bro. <laughs> Do you see dudes come in uh, a little, you know, later advanced like a, a Bo Jackson who really doesn't lift weights, but he wasn't, as far as I know, wasn't doing drugs or drinking or nothing. He was a god. He could god. be stopped, uh, you know, but unfortunately, injury fucked him up. That steel curtain linebacker, uh, Jack Lambert, uh-huh. 
Uh, I think he was the one you see. Uh, he was linebacker that you see to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He had the the half mat, like the mask with the bar down the middle. The nigga ain't had no teeth. <laughs> Nothing. Played on the steel curtain team. Wow. They he was like six four, like two thirty. Oh, wow. Think about that. This is in the seventies, dog. He played linebacker. Six. That's still a big motherfucker. Like. He was saying how they didn't lift weights. They were saying he would come in there when they did have like a little team lift. They said he would come in there smoking a cigarette. This is this is what I, I watched in one of the NFL documentaries on the NFL Network. Jack Lemmon would come in there with a cigarette in his mouth. He'll do a couple of uh, bench press and leave. <laughs> Man, what kind of shit is Man, that? Man, no teeth. I'm rolling. No teeth out there. Take the niggas' heads off, bro. You know he had all types oh. of CT. <laughs> CT, you know. It's, damn, I did not know Junior say I played that long. Nineteen years. Yeah, wow. he played for like a good minute. That bro. is crazy, yo. And I think he had CT since he was in college, bro. Like he the was damn such, shame, like, That shit is real, and you know. That's another thing I'm noticing, even with, with the college football games that we're on this weekend, is the um how they're trying to weed that shit out. But I think they're trying to add another another um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're trying to add another tool of leveling the playing field is the targeting the targeting foul, which I don't really understand the targeting. I don't understand how they have the targeting foul because it makes it takes a lot of it takes the it puts the refs in a position where they have a lot more power than I think they need to determine the outcome of games. Man, I mean, to people that watch, you know, we watch football, we love seeing, you know, the big hits, you know, somebody getting hit with like the truck stick, you know, um, a pancake, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, something like that. We love seeing people get their heads taken off, but, to, to do that, most of the time, you're going to have hits where it goes above the shoulder. Like, you're going to have hits where they're not trying to intentionally hit, like, their helmet or whatever, but it's just going to happen because of the imp- – like, you know, how fast they're going, you know, you're going full speed at somebody trying to take, you know, trying to take them out or whatever, trying to, you know, get like a, a fumble or something. You're going to have those hits. And, I mean, they're unfortunate and stuff, but the targeting, man, is hard. Like you said, it's hard to call that. But ultimately, man, CTE is real, and more, less people want to have their kids involved in football. Like, I don't think I would want my, my kids to play football. Um, but I, I think it's, it's just going to get softer. And it's just going to get softer. That's just what it is, man. Like, the you um, know. What I'm, I'm watching right now, it's ironic because I'm watching just a replay of the clips in Ohio State game, and I'm watching the same play with the guy they supposedly targeted. And they targeted Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I didn't watch the first half. I was asleep for the first half, and my streams was acting up. Um, so I didn't get to watch the first half of the game. So I'm looking at the targeting call that they put on Ohio State, and I'm like, wow. That don't really make sense, and like for them to just to, to eject the player, yeah, like that, that's wild, bro. 
This shit, I'm looking at it right now. It's in the second quarter with four minutes and 47 seconds left, and yes, you're starting strong safety. That just got a sack. That I mean, that's that looks like a normal sack on an ambiguous call, and he gets ejected. You know what that does to a defense? You have, that that has them thinking like every time that they're trying to attack the offensive player, they're going to be t- more timid. It takes away so much momentum, and it takes away a player. And it's kind of like, yo, like that may be, but you know that what they're trying to do is, and how ironic too, for this is a kind of off to college football, the two biggest games of the season, they got two targeting calls. Yeah. And they try to make it an emphasis on how they're calling these targeting calls or whatever, and how, you know, they're trying to clean up the game of football. But the thing is, this is not going to clean up the game of football. It's fucking football, bro. <laughs> it's football, man. Like, these motherfuckers are moving so fast and at such a speed. It's a lot of times you just, you, you're just you moving off of instincts. A lot of times you're literally just moving off of instincts. And it, it reaches a point where you, you're not really looking at your target because you, you're guessing in, in a way. But you know what separates the good players from the bad players is they're they're not guessing as much. They they have enough body control and speed to you know push up to to target in on something up to to a certain point. That's what makes the better makes the professional players you know the best at the game. But you know I, I think they should get rid of that targeting shit. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, I wanted to uh, since this is more of a lighter. Oh wow! I'm looking. <laughs> I'm just looking at this uh, on my timeline. It was talking about the actor uh, Zach Efron. It was saying he got, got hospitalized after contracting a life-threatening infection. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that wasn't what I was trying to talk about. The next topic I wanted to bring up, since you know this is a lighter episode, I watched the um, Rap Radar interview drake did drake doesn't really do interviews like that it was two hours i watched it over when i was back home um and he it's pretty much drake addressing everything he's he's addressing um you know the ghostwriting allegations he's addressing kanye Pusha t meek mill you know he's a he's addressing cultural appropriation he's a he even addressed the line where he's talking about black excellence but to him it's not the same though they don't feel the same and um, I don't know if you had seen anything about it, but I thought it was interesting. Um, so Drake was saying that one of the things with the black excellence thing, he was saying that, you know, he he doesn't feel, I guess, to an agree, to a degree accepted. Like, you know, Drake is like the number one to me, like I think the like the number one artist of the decade, billboard artist of the decade with the amount of hits he had in sales. They were talking to him about that. And he was like, well, yeah, you know, they'll say, um, you know, rap, rapper Drake, you know, biggest, most sales of the decade, but they won't say black rapper. And he said, you know, he said he notices it, but, you know, it, it kind of gets to him, but it doesn't at the same time. You know, and he's like, he knows he's not the most conscious, you know, artist or whatever, but he's done, he say he does things behind the scenes. Like he says, um, when he was in Jamaica, when he sh- he shot the Find Your Love video, 
off of uh, Thank Me Later, that song, Find, Find Your Love. He said that he helped build, he helped, um, I think he said he helped build something, like build, I don't know if it was a school, but he was giving money back while he was there. So he wasn't just there just to shoot the video and stuff like that. And um, he, he says a lot, but that that's just one thing I, I thought was um, that stood out. Wanted to ask you about that because I don't know if you heard that him that line before. Say that line one more time. Uh, let me let me uh, pull it up real quick. Uh, yeah, I have to catch that interview because you know it, it's about time that you know he's he spoken on this. Though he he never really had to, but it was like a big elephant in the room, you know. Yeah. It's like he's he's getting a lot more cookie cutter as the time goes yeah, on. Yeah, he, he was like Billboard Awards. I claim thirteen out in Vegas like Serenos or Serenos, Black Excellence. But I guess when it comes to me, it's not the same though. All goody. So um, yeah, and I, I'm looking on Genius, obviously, and it says the annotation. Despite having reached an unprecedented amount of success in the rap game as well as enjoying crossover appeal and pop music, Drake isn't really celebrated for his success as a black artist like some of his contemporaries are, such as Jay-Z, Beyonce, Kanye, Kendrick, Cole. So, yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, I just wanted to get your, your take on that. I don't think, I mean, I, I think he's, he's, um, I think it's got a lot to do with him not being conscious at all. Like he's just a pop artist. Like I mean, like, do you view Drake as like a a black artist? I do. I still view him as a black artist. It's just it does kind of you you kind of get a sense of him kind of being a vulture. Also, like we can never forget that. Yeah, he just dropped a new song where he's pretty much on that London ting, you know, accent again. (laughs) It's called War. I haven't clear, I haven't uh, listened to it yet, but I know it's already got millions. Of yeah, views. people were clowning him for that already. So, I mean, he has a history of doing this. He he has a history. He has a history of of, of taking different styles, and uh, yeah, he's definitely mastering it. But you know, still in different different styles. Person, I guess you would say, and um not really giving the homage to, you know, where he got that sound from. But people can't forget, I mean, that's still an art. I mean, I mean, that, that's still a talent, I meant. Like, he's, he's he is still, in, he's still in from a lot of different cultures, but he's making nice hits, too, trying to keep his sound, uh, trying to keep his sound, I guess, flexible. Yeah. Let, let me, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me uh, let me play a clip real quick. This is uh, Drake talking about cultural appropriation. Just uh, let let me know if you can if you can hear this. Hey, Drake's appropriating this cultural music. Can you hear that? Yeah, right, I can here hear it that. goes. Music, or you know, for your own personal gain. How do you feel about those kind of critiques? Um, I think that they're. It's kind of a similar thing. They're curated by a bunch of people who just aren't on this, weren't on this boat to begin with. Um, I, I, 
like even the definition of appropriating a culture is is not supporting that culture, right. doing songs with people who are deeply rooted in that culture, giving opportunity to people who are in that culture. That's not appropriating. Appropriating is taking it for your own personal gain and denying that that it was ever inspired from this. That's 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 the true disservice that somebody could do to the UK, to dance hall, to Afrobeats. Me, I've always, 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 anytime I embark on one of those journeys, I ensure that I'm not only paying all due respect verbally, but like I give, I mean, I make a point to give, give, (laughs) give opportunity to people that I respect, you know? What you think about that? Well, that goes that goes along with what I was saying about you know that that's the true definition. The definition he gave of a culture vulture is a true definition of one, a right? culture appropriation. Um, you know, I may be mistaken. I'm not being funny, but I haven't really heard him give. Well, he have he. I've heard him give shout outs to you know his UK homies and stuff. That but, whole more life uh, playlist, whatever you want to call it, album. He put a lot of UK artists on that. Yeah, so I mean, he's he did it. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I liked it, and I like more life. I really like the more life tape. So, I mean, he's not necessarily wrong when you really, really think about it. He's put a lot of people on, you know. Even if it's indirectly. he said that he, but here's he the did. one thing he said. I, I cut it off before he said it. I believe he was saying with that his song. Remember one dance from uh, Views, one, like one of his biggest songs to date. Um, a lot of people consider that Afrobeats. He says he helped popularize the Afrobeat sound. But now looking on social media, people reacting to it are saying it might be labeled that, but that's not what Afrobeats actually is. So he's it's like he's trying to take credit for something that he didn't start, but since he's popular, he wants the he wants that that credit for it. And oh yeah, he put this the artist Wiz Kid up there, but he's not really even on the song. That makes sense. That makes sense. Like he's he's trying to take something that's not his. I see. I see. I see that. I see what they're saying there. Like he's trying to make something that sounds similar to make it seem like he created a, the whole or he put the whole drama. Pretty much. Yeah. I see. I can understand people having having a problem with that. Um. And I can see where they have a problem with him saying that too. It's, and wanted to be too early to say he had some type of impact like that. You know, that's something that, that you would have to let us tell through uh through over time. But I mean, I'm to the point now where he's he's exactly what I think he is. He's like a he's he's an artist, you know, he's a pop, uh, a rap pop, hip hop artist. And you know, I like I like him as an artist, but at the same time, he's a he's a black artist. So I'll I'll agree with him on that. But I will say this, like, yeah, you, He's not on. He's not. He's in a different. He's in a different tier, and I'm not saying he's lesser. He's just a different Spe- genre well, tier than like you know. Well, let me ask that. you this. Speaking of tiers, uh, DJ Academics, um, if you follow hip hop, you know social media, you'll see him. You know he he does the Everyday Struggle show. He follows a lot of stuff going on in um, the culture. He posted a list showing of the tiers of rap. And um, let me just tell you what he, he said of the tears. Let me get your opinion. 
Tier one, Drake. Tier two, Kendrick, J. Cole, Travis Scott, Kanye. Tier three, Meek Mill, 21 Savage, Future, The Baby, Uzi, Little Baby, Young Thug, A Boogie, Young, uh, NBA Young Boy, Rowdy Rich, and Gunner. Tier four, Little Tekka, Little TJ, Polo G, NLE Chopper, and YNW Melly. Um, before you say anything, I just want to say I don't think Drake is in a tear by himself. That's what I was gonna say. Um, I think that should just be one tier. Yeah. Like Kendrick and J. Cole and um Kanye. And he had Travis Scott in tier, yeah. tier two. Um people people well, been I mean, giving uh, Travis Scott a lot of flack, but he just dropped this project um called Jack Boys. It's his artist and him, but he's not. I mean, I like some of the songs. It's only seven songs if you ever wanted to check it out. But he's not really a. I, I don't. I'm at the point. I don't really consider Travis a rapper to be honest. Like he, he's more just he does melodies like you know, and he he does a lot of ad libs in his music. Like he's not really rapping. Um. Not to discredit his music, because I've listened to his music since I was a freshman in college. Like before people knew who he was, I was listening to his song Animal featuring T.I. on um on YouTube that dropped seven years ago. But that's neither here nor there. I was just saying though, like I don't really consider him a rapper, but he the sales say that he is a, a superstar though. I his, I think it's his his artist of his artistry, like, like Kanye. Well, well like let me ask too, you one like, more thing before you, you uh, give your full opinion. Do you think it's a detriment to hip hop if someone like Travis Scott takes the forefront because he lacks so much substance in his music and he's influencing this next generation? Do you think that's a good or a bad thing? I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Initially, I wanted to say it was a bad thing. But you know, thinking why would it? You know, the next thought is why would it be a bad thing? I don't think it's. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it goes back to the evolution of the sound, because yeah, his, his melodies and his production is still on such a level to where it needs to be appreciated. And you know, that's the same with uh, I, I guess when Metro Boomin started coming out with didn't he come out with like a producer? Yeah, he, well, he had a he dropped the album last year. Yeah, yeah, like. Stuff, this is the type of stuff that we need to continue to evolve the sound. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't need to still like that's I think that's the that's what separates the mentality of the regions. Yeah. Especially the especially a, a radio head from like the north and a, the a radio head from the south. Because the one thing that this that the south, the southern region has always had over every other region in the United States is that we continue, we understand, we just understand how to evolve. Artistically, I don't South, the South got something to say. The South got something to say. I don't care what region you from. We don't. We we just naturally know how to evolve the sound. Period. Yeah. And you can count Houston as a, as a part of the Ab- South. Oh yeah, absolutely. You, uh, Florida, Florida is big. Florida, right Florida, Atlanta, New Orleans, and the Carolinas. You got to include us too. Alabama. I mean, like the whole South, like what we since since even back with Outcast, Memphis, like we've always 
Memphis Bleak, uh, like, dude, like, 3-6 Mafia. We've always went back and evolved the sound. The sound has just evolved over time. Like, and I think that's that's why I say I'm not against, you know, I'm not against it. I'm actually yeah. for, for having somebody like Travis Scott who, I mean, when it comes to production, when it comes to melodies, this... <laughs> This is this is like that's a big component of hip hop right now. So why can't we have somebody that isn't all lyrical to to have some say in that? If you know, well, how come we can't have this happen? You know, I think it's something that could be really good. Um, for the now for this, the artist. this I mean, for this the, is uh, where art. it gets fun right here. This uh, question I'm about to ask. We know that Drake ran this era, well, not this era, this uh, this past decade. Um. Along, following behind them, you know, Kendrick and Cole, who respectively, they, they had a huge impact as well. Um, who do you think, let, well, I'm going to give you mine first and then I want to, I know yours. Who do you think will be the next artist to run the, the 2020s? I'm going to go ahead and tell you off rip. I think the artist that is going to run, if he, if he drops enough music, I don't think you can deny it's Uzi. I think Uzi. I think I Uzi is going to be. Thing, I think Uzi bro. is going to be the biggest rapper in the world. Like I think. I don't think there's no denying him, bro. Like I just think that he has everything. He has charisma. He has the the creativity. People, his influence. He he has it all. His style, like everything. I don't know how you can deny him. I think it's Uzi. The next big three in hip hop to me is Uzi, Travis Scott. And I feel like a Playboy Cardi can be the third. Or if not a Playboy Cardi, I feel like a um uh uh the baby, maybe. Yeah. Bruh, I was gonna say Uzi like that was I wasn't even thinking about nobody else but Uzi. I was like this whole podcast that uh Futsu Shuffle yeah. song has been going through my head. <laughs> and I've been thinking like, man, like this dude, he'll drop a single. And it'll be like better than anything I've ever heard. And I'm like, bro, like I feel like his bro, like is gonna be. I don't know how yet. people can sleep on that Love Is Rage too. He was ex. Bruh. You want to talk about not being generic and experimenting? He was experimenting on that whole project. Like, come on, bro, early twenty rager. That song sound like it's from the future to me. Like it don't sound like nothing I've heard, like ever, like in rap. Like honestly, like. I think he's that ahead with his music. Like, like, honestly, I don't... That Futsal Shuffle shit, bro. Like, nobody else is making rap like that right now. It just sounds like it's just from a different dimension, bro. Like, and like, Love is Rage, like, even the beginning, when he starts it, you know, with, uh, with, with, with yeah. two. And it like, and it, and it sounds like he's shooting off into a <laughs> rocket shit. Yeah, like, I know. That's bro, it. Yeah. Like, Yo, I'm like... <laughs> Like, bro, that's smart as The fun. visualizers? That's... Dude, I'll be sitting there watching the visualizers. If I didn't want to listen to it, I'll put the visualizer on. And I'm like, bro, this is like some... This nigga's throwing a spell on us or some shit. It's some other shit in them damn visualizers. Those things are hard. But yeah. I'm, I mean, like, bro, like, right when you said Uzi, I had to agree. Because that was like, when you said for the 2020s, yeah. I was like, man, it's got to be Uzi. Yeah. I didn't really think about, you know, the baby... But I, everybody you said, I agree with. But I, who I feel like is about to take a leap 
I feel like it's about to just take another leap. It's about to really jump up a, a, a whole tier. It's little yeah. Uzi, bro. I feel like it's little Uzi. I mean, these snippets. You hear this nigga snippets. You hear his singles, and it's like, bro, like, do you understand? He's creating a snowball effect because this shit sounds. Bro, crazy. like I, you know, a lot of people mad he hasn't dropped his album Eternally a take. Um, but dude, I've we've been if you if you listen to leaks, I know certain people they don't like listening to leaks and shit. Like I don't care. Like I listen to eat leaks. I've been eating all year. I just be listening yeah. to his leaks. I'm like, bro, this shit hard as fuck. I'm like, why he don't drop this? But then I know he's got issues with his label. So. So yeah, I don't remember where. Like, where is that at? Is he, is he like stuck in? I know he was with. D, was it? Yeah, DJ he's drama? with uh, Generation Now. That's DJ Drama and Don Cannon's label, and he's also signed to Atlantic Records. I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, he even said in one of the songs that I don't, I don't know if you remember. He said that line. He saw a couple millions were missing. He said he didn't say nothing. He just kept moving or something like that. Like. So I think he had an issue with them taking money, more money off the top than they should have. Um, and he- oh, I'm glad we brought this up because it was a song. I think it was in Love and Rage, Love is Rage too. And, and they said that, he, and they said he allegedly fucked uh, DJ Drama Girl. I don't know if that's true or anything, but yeah, he had a line, bro. He had a line in one of the songs. I was like, bro, that's a straight up sneak. That's a that's a sneak this. And it was layers to it too, and it took me a while to. Re- it slipped my head, but by the end of this podcast, I'm gonna find that. I'm trying. I'm gonna try to find it within the next couple, in the next few minutes. And I was like, "Bro, he's saying some." I think he's talking right to DJ Drama, yeah. bro. I was like, "That shit is. That shit is aimed." It was. It, I'll figure yeah. it out. I was like, "Man, I gotta see if Donnie. I know Donnie. Done, he done seen this shit." I was like, "Bro." That's that that's some real life shit right there. But yeah, I think it's some real shit going on with that label. Yeah. Cause I'm pretty sure in Love is Rage too. I forgot if it's loaded. I don't think it's loaded. I think it's I think it is on um on four four four. It's on four 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 too at the beginning. But I, if, if I if it come to my head, I'll bring it up and see if we can analyze it. Shit, I, I it, it slipped my mind. But I was listening to it the other day, and I was like, "Yo, he talking shit." <laughs> yeah, I think. But I oh think, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was like, I was about to say, I think he get out of if once he gets out of that, whatever he's in, he's got some shit saved yeah. up. And it's about to be crazy. I think he. I mean, I. I mean. You know, I look at Drake as a trend, a transcendent uh, talent, similar to the NBA with like LeBron. And now you got the passing of the guards. You got a Giannis that is another transcendent uh, player that's our age. Uzi is our age as well. Um, he's 25, and you you got Drake, who's like 32 or 33, I think. It's just time for a new guard, and I think Uzi is a transcendent talent, like. I still go back and listen to a uh, little uh, Uzi, ver- Uzi versus the world. Little Uzi ver- versus what is it? The um, Uzi versus the world. Uh, damn, what's the name of that tape? It's the that's it. It's uh versus yeah, little Uzi ver- versus the world, bro. Some of them songs up there. 
Like, bro, I'm like, bro, this dude, he got talent for, like, melodies like Team Rocket, Scott and Ramona. I'm like, bro, that this thing is take... on another level, bro. I'm like, bro. <laughs> I'm like, with the, uh, he, he got the chef boy. Yeah, like, yeah, the, um, the, the fucking, uh, P's and Q's. Just the type of yeah. production he chooses. <laughs> like, bro, like, grab the wheel. Like, he just, he got the talent. He got, melodies stick around more than lyrics, in my opinion. He has the melodies that just make you want to keep going back to his music. And he doesn't, it's not, gen, I wouldn't consider his music generic because he keeps, he switches it up on like all his songs. Like you listen to that Footstool Shuffle, it sounds like some house music type shit. Like he just keeps taking risks. He's like, he's got that creativity of like a Kanye, in my opinion. Um, and he's got the melodies of like a Drake almost. Like how he can possess, he got the melodies and he knows how to ride the beat with it. And yeah, dude, I think Uzi is going to own the 2020s. That flow is something stupid, you know, the melodies on top of it, and he can put a dance with anything. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. He's like, he reminds me of like a, of a, I get the you remember, I get the same fit, the feeling that I got when Future first blew up, like right before he yeah. blew up. I got to get that feeling now with Uzi. Like, I feel like, because I feel like at one point, Future was so experimental. I didn't really like Future. I was like, bro, this shit is trash. But then it just grew on me. The same kind of happened with Little Uzi Vert. Like, I ain't never really think he was trash, but I never really rocked with him until a few years yeah. ago. I just started listening and kept on listening to his shit. And I'm like, man, it's just something with this frequency. It's, it's something with how this shit sounds. Yeah. Like, this shit is not from... This shit is not no modern-day type shit. This motherfucker is looking in the future with, the, with how he's got this shit placed and set up. So, you know, I'm getting that same feeling with yeah. Uzi. Because, like I said, and the, the tape that I think is his best tape, believe it or not, that a lot of people don't even really realize uh-huh. he has the Perfect mm, Love tape. Perfect Love tape. Uh, he, he had that song, uh, like Ronda Rousey. Um, he, had yeah. the, he had the Now I Do What I Want. Yeah, that was on that tape. Offer Remain. Yeah, can I can drive. Yeah, that, that shit hard. Yeah. Four of us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that shit. Bro, I'm like, bro, these things don't. That's, that's it's only like, I think it's only like uh, 11 songs. Nine that, songs. See, that's, and he, that's another thing I like about Uzi. He doesn't put out too much music. Like, that's all you need is like 10 or 11 songs. Bro, that the tape was like the perfect ratio. Like every fucking song was yeah. slapped. Every song was slapped. I might skip Ronda Rousey because if I'm just trying to, you know, yeah. turn up. But that song, I don't skip it because it's not a good song. I can still listen to it when I'm yeah. turning up. But I'm like, bro, this is like the perfect tape, bro. This is like this is like the perfect tape. Like, I feel like Love is Rage 2 is like behind that. But the only reason why I, I kind of deduct Love is Rage too because he was kind of getting he was getting yeah there was a lot of and then he added those bonus songs but I mean I I like the bonus songs I think the bonus songs made it even better uh, my favorite song my favorite song probably on the whole thing is mm-hmm. Loaded and that's one of his bonus tracks and then after Loaded I, he just like, experimented just the different sounds on that album like Neon Guts with Pharrell was dope. It was different. He had the song with The Weeknd. Um, 
What's that song with the Unfazed. What's that song with the uh yeah, unfa- that shit was hard. What's that song with the synthesizers that the um the fucking uh it start I think it starts with an F. It's uh I'm gonna look it up on my phone real quick. So he got it was just so he different. Had sauce it up. Sauce it up was hard. I like pretty mama. He got the Spanish girl named Rosa. Yeah. <laughs> and she brought oh, um, I mean, <laughs> uh, One of my favorite songs is How to Talk. I love that song. How to Talk. I love X. I don't want my ex. Like, that's just hard. Talk to me now. Bro, oh, that shit hard. Uh, for real. For real is that beat. He has that crazy ass beat up there. That. Yeah. Yep. But, but, for real, for real. But for again, real. bro, like, he had his own version of. Uh, Dear Mama with Dark Queen. That shit go hard. Yeah. That's like, I mean, Love is Rage too. Like, he I experimented mean, a lot on that album. I think that's his best album. Well, that's like, that's his second yeah, album. Te- yeah, technically it's his, I think it's his second album. I have to look it up because you know, mixtape album, it's like the same thing now. Yeah. So I don't, I don't even For know. Really? Really. I, I'm looking up. Yeah, nah, apparently that was his debut album. Yeah, I mean, dog, like this. I mean, it's it's hard to really say because I like the perfect love tape. I like Love Is Rage, too. Um, I like Love Is Rage one. That might be you know the weakest one. Hey, Love Is Rage one. I've went back and got some songs from that, bro. Like that shit. He has some shit. It's still extremely experimental. Yeah, yeah, he was on it back then. It's just he didn't have like. I think his charisma was a little off compared to now with the different ad-libs and stuff. He was more trying to, I guess, rap, just straight up rap on those songs, on some of them, as opposed to now he plays around with more melodies. My favorite song, I think, is uh, New York Nights at 21. Bruh, that... <laughs> I got I got a, the Paradise. I love that song, Paradise, Super Saiyan, Safe House. Dude, that... He he yeah. actually kind of started I, 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 that flow too with Super Saiyan. Yeah. Yes. That flow that I think he's gonna get better and better. Yeah. yeah. He's gonna get better and better, dude. Um going jumping back to the, the Drake thing, um, I thought this was another clip. Well, first I start before I say that clip uh clip, Drake said that he believes he has two classic albums or projects. So far gone and take care. Now, we've had discussions about Drake and his classic albums. I'll I'll give you mine off top what I think is classic for him. Um, Yeah, the So Far Gone, Take Care. If you're reading this, I think What a Time to Be Alive is a classic. Um... After that, it's kind of it's kind of hard for me to give another one of his albums the classic, but I know there's a few more that you think are classic. I think I'll probably have, like I, I'm gonna be strict with my classic with my classic um grades. I'll say um so far gone. You said yeah. that. Nothing was yeah. The same. A lot of people consider that as his best album, but I I don't know. I haven't. Nothing was the same. I remember when that shit came out. That shit was like that shit's heat. Um, take care. 
man, take care, man. That shit's another level. Yeah. <laughs> that shit's another level. Yeah. Um, so I said nothing was the same. So far gone. Take yeah. care. Uh, if you're reading this, is too late. Yeah. That's four. Um, that might be where I have to draw the line. Okay, so you said four. I said four. I included the future jerk and future project, just because. I mean, that. I mean, when that tape dropped, dude, like that shit was just so crazy to me. Like I was listening to that and just. Feel like time stopped when it dropped. It's profound. Um, I thought you were gonna put. I thought you were gonna put views up there because you said that you you've you've always championed that album and said it was like a pop classic, a pop rap classic or something like that. God, dude, I remember when that shit came out. I mean, I feel like if I can remember when it came out and what I was doing, you know, in that time, then it's, it, it might be. I remember I, I illegally downloaded it at the library. I was studying and when it dropped. I was like, I got to download this so I can hear it when I get back to my dorm or my apartment, not dorm. I don't know, man. I mean, I might. Because he got to think he had one dance, pop style. Yeah, pop style. Um, He had this. I ain't going to lie that uh, Redemption. Redemption's on your mind when you think about me. Yeah. Fire and desire. Bro, like. The way he put the tape, the way he set the whole tape up was just on another level. Man, I'd probably have to, I'd probably have to add that one. I might add. I think I'll, I, like I think I'll add. One. Nothing was the same. Yeah, I'm gonna add what a time because the only reason why I didn't add what a time is because I didn't really know how to add that because I mean it still sounds like a. It's pretty much tape, like a future tape featuring Drake on every song, pretty much. But it's still not really if you think about yeah. it. You know, when you, if you, it's just I think that was just a perfect cohesion. You yeah. Know? That was, I, I don't think we appreciated that tape as much as we will continue to appreciate it. In the yeah, future. apparently we're, they're going to, uh, well, it's, you know, rumors is that a second one is coming, maybe by next year, but we'll, wow. we'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> it's all, we'll see. If, if it's like the first one, that's all I'm going to say, because I, I think as time goes on, we'll, we'll, we'll appreciate that work of art I, a lot I mean, more. to be honest. I know it's way too early. I feel like if Drake would have cut down the Scorpion album because it's too long, if he would have cut down like five or six songs, I would say in the future I could see that being a classic. That shit. It's too. It's just too long, though, in my opinion. It is. It is extremely long. But man, when that shit came out, that was one of the most recent out, most recent projects I can say I played for damn near a month straight. On almost a daily basis. Wow! Like at least a song, cause that shit was that shit that shit's fire, bro. You know, I was definitely championing that one. But like, when it comes to classics, I want to really, I want to try to get in the habit. And I wish you know a lot of other people would. We don't really have this problem, but sometimes I feel like it's easy to throw around the word yeah. classic, and I'm trying to get better at like not throwing that word around because. A lot of times we will say something's a classic when it really isn't a classic. It's just a really good album. But a classic, when we say classic, that should we li- be like... You live through that album. like Yeah, like that should be... You live life through that, you know, day to day. You should be able to go up to people from different races that don't even listen necessarily listening to that genre that say, that know what you're talking about. Like if you go up and tell 
say something about Michael Jackson's yep. albums, like Thriller or something yep. like that. A motherfucker that probably never listened to that type of R&B, that type of pop, R&B type sound, would still know what the fuck that shit is. That's the type of level of designation that a classic should bring. And if we're talking about that level, you got to put views up there. You got to put views. I say take care. I feel like take care and so far gone are his like universally acclaimed uh, albums. I would say or projects. Take care. Take care. For that level, I would say take care and um views. Just because views. The reason why that would be my two. The reason why I'd have to add views is because. I think out of all his projects, Views would be the one that has the most female play. Like, I bet you he has the most fans. He broke he broke album. a lot of female he broke fans. a lot of records with that album too. Like he, he sold a million first week, I believe, with views. The last last yeah. rapper to do that was Wayne with Carter Three. I, I, I think he really got the fem- he got his female fan base like he picked up big time with that views project. And and the and the old head sound too. Cause he, when you said that uh, the fire and yeah. desire, that shit I, that shit's ringing in my head right now, bro. That shit, bro. That shit's hard, bro. That shit grew on me, man. I'm thinking about the damn Jada song, leaving me, dipping out on me. I'm like, bro, this, <laughs> this shit. That's a song. That's a legend, song gonna be bro. playing for like 10, 15 years from now. I'm still gonna be playing that song. <laughs> Dude, the blue tin. Yeah. Like, I, I, w- I would have liked to seen how he would have did if he would have cut back on the Scorpion album. Yeah. Like, I, man, because I'm going to be honest with you. It's easily it's easily eight songs he on that cut. project yeah. that you can say were classics. Oh, I thought you... We're not oh, even, you okay. If, like, eight, eight... Like, he could have he could have put out, like, a like a uh, a short play. Like, a, like, a, like eight songs. Eight or nine yeah. songs. He could have chose his best eight or nine songs. And I think it... I think that... Honestly, that would have been harder than putting out what he put out because a lot of those songs were that good i just think some of the songs didn't necessarily well, fit with how he like well let me flow. ask you this like i on the interview with rap radar he says he was listening to a lot of life after death when he was making scorpion so he said he was a set obsessed with having two uh, you know side a side b and he pretty much said you ever on the song which one was it emotionless a rap, a, a classic is just 10, 10 more of these. Um, mm. he, he pretty much acknowledging that, yes, he knows that he could probably make a, a legit classic rap album if he tried, but he he's always got that duality to him. He's always got the fans that want to hear him sing more, and he's got the fans that want to hear him rap more. So he said, you know what? He did what everybody was saying. Why not try this? He finally did it. He, he made one out, one side pretty much all rap and the other side he pretty much all singing and it you know a lot of people were divisive about it because of the the stuff going on with him between him and Pusha T and Kanye when that album dropped um so I think a lot of people weren't giving that album a fair listen but and if people we need to realize that Drake had said he, he had um going off on a tangent on that uh, Pusha T situation yeah. He had legit lyrics. He had legit lyrics where he's talking about his kids. That's what I was going to bring up again on the Pusha T. There's there's a clip that I want you to hear before you go in on that. Let me let me yeah let me play All this right. clip real quick. This is this is Drake talking about the Pusha T uh, situation. Unwritten rules in the sport for some people, obviously not for him, and that's fine, you know. Um, and he's just made an entire career off of it, you know. 
And some people like his music. I personally don't because I don't believe any of it. And I like to listen to guys that I believe. But um, but you were a Clips fan. You had the sign mic and all that stuff. So yeah, I, was that, 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 I, I have it upstairs. Idols <laughs> become your rivals, right? And like, to, and I guess yeah. to genuinely lose respect for someone. Yeah, but it's also you just get to peek behind the curtain too, right? It's like you know when I was whatever sixteen, yeah. thinking that he was the biggest dope dealer in the world, serving bricks to all every corner of America. Yeah, sure. I'm sure I. I'm sure I was. You know, again, a fan and. And obviously more 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 so just a fan of like Pharrell and Neptunes. I always wanted to be signed to Star Trek and stuff like that. That was like the way. But yeah, I mean, you know, now that I'm grown up and I actually know him and the tr- truth, it's just kind of like, I don't know, it's not, not as appealing as it once was. You look at those like a cyber almost to the biggest conflict, which is... So, um, did you hear that, Will? I yeah, so he, yeah. you know, he he's pretty much saying that he can't ever see himself mending that feud with Pusha T because, like you said, Pusha T went too far, really. Pusha T called out, you know, he, he pretty much was wishing death on his uh his his man, uh, 40, his producer, his in-house producer for a year. 40 has um, MS, multiple scler- uh, sclerosis. So he pretty, he pretty much was wishing death on him. And he brought up his son's name. Well, he brought up his son. But here's the thing Drake did. Drake didn't take it as far, but Drake brought up Pusha T's then fiance's name in that uh, that song. And that's what set Pusha T off. So let me ask you, what do you think? Is there is there, if you're beefing with somebody, do you think there's a point where you can take it too far and that you can't ever mend that relationship? Yeah, I definitely think it's, it gets to that point. And uh, you have to make that decision beforehand, you know. It's a part of being a man and a part of being an adult. If I if I say this or if I do this, will it cross the line? And you got to face the fact that, you know, not every you don't have to be friends with everybody yeah. in this life. Because there's certain things that people have done to me or or situations that I look at, relationships that I look at with people that, with my type of personality, it's like never like it's not hard for me to say that I can I would never as long as I'm breathing in this lifetime, I would like never have anything to do with that situation or that person. Yeah. And you know, that that is hard on both ends. Even when it's hard when you make that choice, or it's hard when you when you know you're about to do something that will piss somebody off to the point where they would feel feel like that towards you. So you have to know that. Yeah, it's certain shit that if you do and say, it definitely you got to know that that definitely can cause um, turmoil that can last a lifetime. And I think you know, I think that situation was it was unnecessary. You think think Pusher was clout chasing? That's what I was about to say. I think it all had to do with clout. I think he seen an easy target to get his uh to get his um. Promotion, yeah, going. for his, his album I mean, that it, dropped it, that year, which was actually really yeah. good. And I'll say this too: looking back, he didn't really have to do this shit to like even do even to even um get that type of promotion. And you know, looking back, it's like, bro, that shit was unnecessary. Like, it's, I it's, mean, it, I, I guess it did its, its job, but it was yeah. Really it's one thing to mention. Okay, Drake has the kid. 
Let's not. Drake didn't. There's one thing Drake did not mention in that interview. He didn't bring up the blackface. He did not bring up the blackface, which pushed it out at him about that. You know, he put up that long Instagram post about, yeah, 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 he was acting or whatever. But ain't no, I don't give a damn what you're doing. Ain't no fucking excusable. There's no excuse for putting on blackface, period. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I didn't. I thought that shit was weird. That, that's that, I would like for him to explain that, but at the same time, you know, it is it is what it is. He didn't have to do what he did, but I would but, definitely okay. explain. But okay, I get wrong. it. If I'm pushing T and Drake mentions my fiance by her name, all bets are off. Like I wasn't going to go. I, you know, it's rap. Okay, we'll say certain things. But if you mention somebody in my family that ain't got nothing to do with this. I'm going to take it to another level. Like, that's just the type of person I am. Right. So I get that. But at the end of the day, he did cross the line. You know, he wished death on uh, Drake's uh, close friend. And he mentioned the birth of his son before Drake even mentioned it. Well, that's what I was going to say. On um, on More Life, on More Life, he, uh, this, is why, this is why I was going to say, if people actually went back and listened... I forgot what song it is on More Life, but Drake says it in the song that he has a kid. Uh-huh. Like, he he, has, he he has a... It's like, a, bro, it's like kind of hidden in layers, but he says something like a kid on the way or... Oh, man, I wish I would have known about this so I could have prepared for, like, looking... Because I, I wrote the shit down on, like, a notepad, and I was like, bro, I got to go back and go to the rap games and analyze that. But I think in the More Life tape, I know in the More Life tape on one of the songs, he actually has a has like a it's just a line where he talks about his son. And I was looking back and I was like, well, you know, to Drake's defense, he he has said something. Like he has acknowledged that he has a he has a kid. Like, and you know, I didn't catch it initially because I didn't really, I wasn't really listening to this tape that heavy. But he's and the more life tape came out before the before they told Yeah, 2017. Yeah, so like it was like a I don't think it was a full year before Pusha T did what he did, but it was like eight or nine months or so. Like it was a good, it was like a good time period. Drake hadn't necessarily came out publicly, but I think at one point on Twitter, initially it was a it was like a a rumor, but then that died down, but the rumor ended up being yeah. true. And when it ended up being true, that's when it came when it when Pusha T did what he did, it seemed like it was all new. But I think we be going through so much shit, we don't be realizing what we be seeing sometimes, and we be forgetting about shit, you know, already kind of being leaked to and, us because of all the shit that we be getting on on a daily basis. Yeah. Um. As much as I'm a fan of like of the discography of good music, uh, of Kanye's, not his recent stuff, the you know his his Born Again Jesus stuff, I'm not really rocking with that, but um. His stuff before that, I'm a huge fan. But this stuff between him with pushing him and, and Drake, I think it's just goofy at the end of the day. Like they all grown men and I think they could come mm-hmm. to a resolution if they want. But Kanye is such like see, Kanye is he's an important part of this because he's sort of like an instigator. Like he's on push aside. He takes sneak, he sneak this is Drake like all the time. Like 
in his interviews when there's nothing, he's always somehow, I feel like, bringing Drake up in an instance when he talks about music. And even Drake says that in this interview, he feels like Kanye sometimes always is dissing him, like he's jealous of him or something like that. You know, um, but I, I just think that, you know, yeah, Drake took it too far by mentioning Pusha's uh, wife's name and Pusha took it too far by mentioning Drake's son and wishing death on his like best friend. So, you know, at the end of the day, I just like, man, who, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not that it's, I, I, I can see why you wouldn't want to mend that relationship. And again, like you, I know you've always said, you know, like, you know, push the T, he, you know, as real as he tries to come off as that may not be the case, you know, with the uh, moving push the T standing for push a ton of bricks. Like he really wasn't the one moving the bricks. His brother, no malice was the one. I think who even said that he was the one that was in the streets. Pusha was younger than him. So it's a, it's an interesting uh, situation. Yeah. I I, I think Pusha T's a, a, a character. As we and let's be real. I, I honestly, looking back, I think that Duffy freestyle was a better song than Pusha song. Than the mm. story of added on. Um, Mm. So yeah, uh, let's see if there was something else to mention. Cause so much be going on, but oh yeah, I know we had talked about off air about the that Doctor Claude Anderson interview he did with a breakfast club you know he's talking about group ep- economics if y'all have a chance to um check out that interview dr claude anderson with uh the breakfast club i think it's dope it's what we've been talking about pretty much since the beginning since we started the podcast and before that which is group uh group economics how we need to support each other more and get our money together to build something, you know, to build business and to then to eventually give back to to have new more developments, um, to get rid of the the hood and bring back the the community, you know. Um, and he got the Power Economics book, you know. He 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 was talking about the the reparations talk and how none of these politicians are really even on it. He pretty much said how the Thirteenth, Fourteenth, and Fifteenth Amendment; those all were meant for black people. And that's pretty much a second constitution. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I want to get your take on that. Yeah, I um, I agree with a lot of what the OG said in in, in his interview. Um, he he actually he's bridging the gap between us just talking about certain things and us, you know, just actually finding solutions, you know, and that's where I feel like we need to be at is finding those solutions and. He brought in a, a lot of good ideas. Um, you know, he basically talked about how we initially get our get our paychecks. The money leaves our community right away because we don't even have a foundation, you know, within our communities to want to shop within our community. You know, we used to have our Black Wall Street. You know, we'll go and go to the go to the Black grocery store down the road. You know, then go get a haircut from the Black barber. Hell, they had black doctors, black hospitals. We had all this shit, but, you know, 
I guess a part of integrating was to also strip us of our of our foundation. And I, I don't think it's easy. I think it's it's a lot more difficult than just going to a black owned business. <laughs> like it's a lot more difficult, you know. That's what yeah. I'm feeling. Than that. Um but it has to be the, the discussion. We now we have to realize we have to basically be, begin from the from the uh the, the, the initial stages from from the dirt to actually start the foundation like we this is how how far how far back we are you know but he had the, the paranomics i believe that's one of his yeah. books that, that discusses keeping the uh keeping a lot of the the funds within our community you know we got to start going back the least we can do now is start going back and getting trades and i think from here on out we need to start even if you go to universities, we all have to start off with getting some type of trade. So, yes, indeed. Um, was there anything else that you you had at mind that you wanted to, uh, to discuss? No, nah, I think I think this is a pretty uh, pretty good episode. Um, I wanted to bring up a review real quick of a. A movie that I seen recently. Um, it's uh, it's called Uncut Gems. Have you you heard about that? No, I haven't heard about it. Uh, it stars Adam Sandler. He's this uh, he's a jeweler in the Diamond District in uh, New York City. He's uh, he's uh, like a sleazeball, and I I I I think that's the first time I met him said that out loud, sleazeball. But that's what I describe him as. You know, he's always taking money and hedging his bets. Like, he's he's a gambling addict. And he's always got these loans that he has to pay off. And I think there was one thing about it that really stood out to me. I gave it a 9 out of 10. I think it's a great film. It's nonstop. If you got anxiety, this might be hard for you to watch because it's so intense at times. You know, it doesn't take his foot off the pedal. But I think Adam Sandler... He he does a lot of you know comedies, but he did a serious role this time, and he he killed it. Um, he's a Jew. Is, is it about him gambling on basketball? Yeah, yeah with uh, Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett is actually a, okay, a, okay. a solid actor. Like he was a an, an important okay. part of the movie. But um, he gets this gem from Ethiopia. He gets the Ethiopian Jews um to mine this gem for him. Gives him a hundred thousand dollars. He thinks the gym is valued at a million dollars. And KG, he held, he let him hold the gym. He let KG like loan the, the gym for a couple of days and KG was balling with it. So he's like, I got to buy it now. And he asked him about that. He was like, you don't think there's an issue with you giving them like that much money, but he thinking the gym is like 10 times more than that. And Adam Sandler's character, um, he played Howard Ratner. He was pretty much, I'm paraphrasing, he pretty much was like, well, that 100000 is like 50 times more than they would ever earn in their lifetime. And I was thinking like, dude, it's like all these natural resources we, we have and we just don't know how valuable they are, you know? Um, and I just wanted to add that. I, I think it's a, a great movie directed by the Safdie brothers. Um, and yeah, dude, I, I think it was dope. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, he's in that movie t- too. He did a great job.
I think I seen an ad. That shit looked pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's a it's a dope film. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to add that in there. Um, and yeah, man. Uh, I know New Year's is right around the corner. I don't know if we'll get another episode in before the actual day, but do you you have any um, resolutions? Uh, just still to continue to stay consistent. Um, to uh, invest more than I did this past year. Continue to try to grow and get my knowledge on uh, how to be the best man I can be. Um, still working on my foundation to retire early and get out of the matrix. Yeah. So, that's that's the big thing. My big thing is I'm trying to I want to continue to get closer to financial freedom. Where? Where? And you know, being the best man I can be. Uh for me, I would say I just want to um just progress in everything that I find important to me in life, like whether it be the mute, my music, my podcast, my career, my financial my finances, I want to just become more into get more into investing. Uh, more exercising. Um, my diet, you know, I I haven't. Maybe if it was by like an accident, or like a small portion, like I was um, I had some pizza or whatever. But I think my my sister had like the pepperonis on it. I was taking it off during the break when I went home, and um, it's really. I think it's been like over three months since the last time I've had meat. So. I'm actually happy that I, you know, I've kept with that, with the pescatarian diet. I'm just going to continue that into the new year and continue to grow mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, and become closer to being um, just free, you know. And um, yeah, that's it. 2020 right around the corner. You know, big things for. Divine Council podcast, you know, we're closing in on a thousand plays, which is a, you know, that's a milestone. Big milestone. And, um, well, if that's, that's it, then, um, I, I just wanted to say to whoever listens to this, you know, make sure to like, share, um, Follow the podcast on Divine Council Podcast at SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast Divine. Um, if you're listening through the Apple Podcast app, give us a, a rating. A five star rating helps with visibility, so that that's uh that's important. And uh, yeah, happy uh, holidays and also a happy New Year to whoever's listening. Um, and I wanted to leave the the listeners again with another quote. This quote is by Roy T. Bennett. Success is not how high you have climbed, but how you make a positive difference to the world. Until next time.